I Am Legend, starring Will Smith, is based on a 1954 novel by Richard Matheson, the final tale in the trilogy beginning with The Last Man on Earth and The Omega Man. We follow Robert Neville, another army virologist who's trying to find a cure for a plague that has killed most of humanity and turns the few remaining into monsters or mutants. But definitely not zombies in post-apocalyptic New York City. The 2007 film was expensive to film and drew much ire during shooting as the closing of major streets was controversial with New Yorkers. Will Smith said people were not happy. That's the most middle fingers I've ever gotten in my career. Today, on Dead End, we will be reviewing I Am Legend. The last man on Earth is not alone. How can anybody stay alive? I'm Matt Bluma. I'm Rob Fauche. And this is Pam McCaffrey. And today on Dead End, we're reviewing the movie I Am Legend. The 2007 flick with Will Smith and his dog. Yeah, so we follow another army virologist, which I guess is a good thing. You get like a strong courageous soldier and then you also get a scientist so it works well for disaster movies it's like a theme though lately right like we got the the army doctor the disease outbreak (laughs) i had not heard that any of these movies that are the books that this is based on yeah same uh no no idea going into it that it was based on a book or like a trilogy of rather yeah books plural yeah, it was like a, what was it, 1954 novel, old one? Yeah. Well, we start with scientist Dr. Alice Krippa, who is on the news talking about her cure for cancer. And after that, we cut to abandoned New York. Roar the Mustang. Yeah, you don't get to enjoy it too long because it is a loud driving scene through abandoned streets in new york city yeah it kind of comes off as a video game if you're not uh paying attention to it as you go like the uh the dystopian like you know streets of new york blasting through with a big muscle car yeah it almost seemed kind of fake like it driving through and everything's all rotten and like a video game playing big buck hunter with the mustang yeah there's a lot of (laughs) running down a herd of massive bucks going hunting yeah, but I thought it was interesting that they kind of show that because like it's kind of like a, a it seemed like a, a mix of like hunting to stay alive and a, a mix of hunting for other possibly scientific purposes, which they kind of get into shortly after the hunting scene. Yeah, so after he's shooting from his vehicle and he gives up, they go to his house and he's got all these gas generators and stuff running. What about the lions? Oh man, I forgot where, about the lions. Where did the lions come from? The zoo. There was a cub <laughs> family alliance. They got out of the zoo. Someone let them out of the zoo. Yeah, I don't, can't imagine a lot of the other zoo creatures would have survived. 
No, I don't think so. You don't think the the giraffe walking around in New York is going to do very well? Maybe you could eat out of windows. <laughs> yeah, so right away, aren't we just like watching him kind of go through his daily routine? Basically, like he seems like he's kind of just running through, you know, his schedule, you know, going out, looking around, seeing what's going on, and then going back to the house. And then uh, in the morning, they show him just like kind of going through his morning workout routine. Very, uh, I don't know, I guess they, they said he was military, right? So like very stuck to his schedule. Yeah, I can well, yeah, see be- that. Before he got home, too, he sprayed yeah, vinegar and on the car and at the stoop by his front door. Yeah, so they kind of abruptly put us into like this apocalypse where everybody's gone. And um, like you said, you know, this whole movie, we only have one character for the majority of it. So it's kind of hard to have you know, conflicts or anything going on. So you just start with his schedule. And then from there, you know, when he's at home, he's playing his happy music because at nighttime it gets rough. And then his wristwatch goes off. Yep. Time to board up the windows. Batten down the hatches. Nighttime's coming in. Then he spoons his dog in the bathtub. <laughs> You're listening to Bob Marley. <laughs> that happened. That happened. And the Dark Seekers roaring and groaning outside. Did they give him a name? Dark Seekers? I don't remember the name. The zombies. Mutants. Yeah, they seem like Thanks. zombies, but they don't really want to brand them as zombies for this. Superhuman. They can move pretty quick. But, I mean, they're zombies though, right? Well, they're caused by the Crippa virus. <laughs> <laughs> right, but... They're zombies. That's a thing in zombies. It's a virus. Sure. But I think <laughs> this they have, like most people are killed by it. And then the few that remain are these people that can't go outside. So they're a little different than normal zombies. They're like vampire zombies. But they have like lots of strength. They're pretty fast. Yeah, they generally seem rather angry. You know, like, Will Smith is just kind of killing them or running from them for a while. Yeah, and I wonder if that's how the book portrays them maybe a little differently, you know, instead of just bloodthirsty monsters. Right, because, I mean, they they also show him basically, you know, trying to cure everybody, right? Because he wants to, like, save the human race and everything. But then they also show him just, you know, dispatching with him with a shotgun or a, a rifle or whatever he's got. Yeah, most of it is told through like flashbacks because after the nighttime comes, he starts kind of going back to him and his wife trying to like figure out if the virus is spread and if they have to get out of town, you know, and they have the president's speech kind of going on in the background, which I caught a make no mistake in there, which always makes me remember the 2000s. <laughs> yeah, the islands being sealed off, military quarantine. I feel like there's another movie that tries to do that, that, like, seals off New York. At least one or two other movies that try to do that. And you can fill that in when you think of it later. I will not. (laughs) (laughs) Call me Snake. But, yeah, so Robert Bell is played by Will Smith, and he's talking about how he can still fix the situation and how he's going to stay because this is ground zero. But um, before the flashback ends, he's like jolted when a 
monster or dark seeker slams into their car and he wakes up which i thought was good like they had the little flashbacks and memories that were jarring and violent and then he would go back to like completely alone and like most of the movies like silent because he's just by himself and he's doing pull-ups on his clothes hanger rod style pull-up bar total gym or something you hang up in the doorway dogs on the treadmill two treadmills but yeah we go to the virology side and he's in his basement lab looking at you know these rats he has that are infected with the virus and he does it kind of in this weird video notebook sort of way. Dr. Robert Neville, September 5th, 2012, GA series serum, 391 animal trials, streaming video. Which I could see doing just because he's alone. It gives you a way to verbally talk it. Like normally you would write down your notes silently, but because he's alone, maybe he's constantly wanting to talk and record his thoughts. Yeah, and I really thought about that. I guess, I mean, that kind of makes sense, right? If you're abandoned essentially by yourself you may as well try to humanize it a little bit well just to keep yourself going you know like talking into a camera you yeah try to stay sane yeah he's he's got the old uh recorded news stations and stuff he's watching on tv as well for this role will smith said he um visited both people that were you know biologists working on viruses And then I think he also said he visited people that were in solitary confinement. And it really shows because in a lot of the scenes where he's alone, as the movie goes on, you can tell, like, he's very, like, fragile and broken. Oh, yeah, definitely later on when he finally isn't alone. There's a lot of fragileness. But so... I noticed he has, like, keys to almost everything in the city. Like, people must have died really fast and all their stuff was, like, left open. Because otherwise you'd have to track down which person's body to which keys to which house to... Well, I mean, he had a lot of time on his hands, you know, like... Well, three years and he has his, you know, map of New York where he's crossing off every, like, building. He's got a Ford Expedition or something. Yeah, new car, new day. Can't be... (laughs) But yeah, he goes to the video store, which I thought was kind of funny that he like goes back and forth from there and he has all the mannequins set up and he like has a conversation with each different mannequin about like some story he's got for him. Yeah, there's one that he's like vaguely hitting on. Yeah, that's uh, Uma Thurman from uh, Pulp Fiction, I think. (laughs) Marcellus Wallace's girl. It's very strange psychology right. of dating and being like socially awkward to the mannequin <laughs> at the blockbuster. Yeah, it's it like I said, it's almost like everybody died so fast that uh everything's still kind of intact quite a bit. Cuz he's somehow, you know, finding gas, finding food, finding things all spread out. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's kind of the theme, though, right? Because they show, like, uh, the... So he was immune to the virus. To evacuate. Right, and he was there for, like, or until the last minute, rather, right? And, like, he was trying to wait things out and try to find a cure. And then they show, you know, basically the closing of the bridge. And I think that was, like, the last... The last of the last, right? Like... Yeah, so... 
between the flashback, he goes um, through his family, like getting closer and closer to getting out, but they keep stopping it before you see what happens. And he's alone, obviously. So like, we know that they're probably either they got out and they're gone, but he seems so depressed that you kind of know that his wife and kids didn't make it. And they keep holding that like knowledge from you, which I think it builds a lot of suspense. Like I watched the beginning of this and it pulls you in pretty quick where you're like, Oh, we've only been with one character for like, you know, more than, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes. And you feel satisfied with it. Cause they keep giving you kind of like snippets of other things going on. We get his uh, radio message. That's one of his other daily activities. He's got to go to the South Street Seaport at midday and wait oh, for yeah. people. And he goes and hangs out at his desk. I thought that was an interesting part of his daily routine. You know, that shows that he's still kind of committed to any possibility that there's other people out there. He's not just like... Well, it's got to be pretty... You know, pretty bad if he's literally thinks he's the only one true so he's never seen another survivor in three years three years yeah he pulls up to the dock why wouldn't you back in (laughs) dude he's just eyeing up that sr-71 blackbird to go hit golf balls off of yeah that was one of my favorite parts of the movie keep your eye on this one for me I'm getting good. Watch him hit golf balls off the stealth bomber. Wow, I think it just was reconnaissance playing, but, you know, it's pretty cool. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's the uh, USS Intrepid, the World War II aircraft carrier. Uh, Intrepid Sea Air and Space Museum. Yeah, they, like, put all those planes on the deck of the aircraft carrier. Yeah, it's all sitting there. It's like an inside part for space shuttles or something like that. So, not to finish off with the deer chase in the beginning, um, Novell and his dog go chasing after some more wild deer through, you know, the streets that are abandoned vehicles are everywhere. And I started noticing, like, they had that grass kind of next to all the vehicles set up, and it was like, I read that they brought in grass from, like, Florida or somewhere like that. And after I read that, like every time I would look at the scene, I'm like, oh, it just looks like they put grass next to a bunch of cars on the sides of the road. Like it ruins the aesthetic of it. But they definitely make it seem like, you know, nature has returned to take over the abandoned, you know, urban areas. Yeah, I guess I never really even noticed that. I didn't really look for it, but I I didn't really, uh, out of all the effects, I didn't notice that. There are some sort of weak CGI moments. Yeah, so I noticed <laughs> other than the grass. But I mean, with the grass, were the deer you CGI? Can't, you can't just let oh, they had. Oh yeah, definitely. But I mean, what are you gonna do? You can't. You can't shut down New York for three years and let grass grow and <laughs> let deer run through it. Like that's not gonna work. Well, I'm glad they didn't do green screen. It is filmed in New Ooh. York. Well, you know what I mean. Like Star Wars Episode One. Just go into this green space and we'll fix everything in post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll do it later. 
No. I think overall, I mean, considering how old the movie actually is now, it the the effects play all right. Yeah. For the most part. It's only when they really start showing some of the faces of yeah. the dark yeah. seekers that you start to I don't know. It just looks like underdeveloped effects that you would see in like Lord of the Rings with um Schmeagel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But so following the deer into the dark spot, it didn't even dawn on me like, oh, yeah, the dark seekers have to stay in the dark and going into dark buildings during the day would be like super dangerous. But the dog goes into the dark building and you can see like, you know, Will Smith just looks super like paranoid, like he can't let himself go in there, but he can't like not go in there. Well, it's like the only thing he knows, right? Yeah, Yeah, the dog, dog. the like dog relationship in this movie is so strong like you said rob they spoon in the bathtub everybody spoons their dog <laughs> in the bathtub i didn't yeah i didn't really understand that because <laughs> he was sleeping on a couch and i think he was in his bed at one point the bathtub yeah, has better the protection the porcelain's really gonna save you with the boarded up windows and all that <laughs> but yeah after he like stalks around in the dark building there's like a ton of money on the floor and you see the dead deer and he looks up and there's just like a, you know, big huddled group of the like dark seekers all in the corner. And it's like, Oh, and at first it seems like everything's fine. Like they won't, they don't notice them. And then it's just like mad scramble to get the hell out of there. Then he finds Sam and he won't come out from under the desk, goes up to him looking over slowly Another dark seekers roaring and screeching at him, like the Clay Matthews stance came at him faster and you know more than any human could. And then what charges them out out of a window and they fall like three stories and they're fine. He's unscathed. Like he's I like how is Sam told or I mean Robert Novell told Sam to get out. Like he saw a little hole in the wall while he was running towards the window, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, you just go that way. That's easy." <laughs> But yeah, once they get outside, he sets like a trap, doesn't he? Yeah, I don't know what kind of trap that would be. I don't think it would work, though. They, he slings yeah, those a piece of wire cables, over and yeah. kicks a generator off a bridge, and boom, it's set. Oh, and then he like draws a vial of his blood. Oh, yeah, that's where he baits the trap. Yeah, bait it. yeah, in his trap, he has that like black sheet to keep the you know dark seekers safe from the damaging sunlight but yeah he catches uh a female darkling and it one of the the alpha male one comes out of the building and like looks at him and yells about it did you know it was his girlfriend at that point i figured it was something like that there was some intelligence to it like he was looking at him did not notice that well so will smith goes down to uh put on his lab coat and play army virologist <laughs> female subject <laughs> cripovirus named after the woman that cured cancer well you can you can have your name on this they should have called it something cool like how they called it motaba, motaba. <laughs> isn't that the river what would the river in Ma- uh, Manhattan be um, isn't it just like the east river I don't know 
they would give it some good name. They would name it after like either a subway line or the something Hudson. that it was. <laughs> yeah. The Hudson, right? The yeah. Hudson strain. <laughs> you don't want that one. You don't want the Hudson strain. Well, you know, you got to he's got his rats um he's been doing the like pre-trials in and so Lots he's, of them. he's got like some vaccines and he's still trying it on humans, but like all good vaccines, it kills the host immediately. <laughs> but then it's nope, no issue. I expected to kill it. It's no issue because he just injects her with something else and she goes back to life. We're fine. But like zombie life. So I wonder if he's just got a vial of like more virus. <laughs> yeah, I did not notice the detail with the, uh, the girlfriend. Well, we'll get to it at the end, but there's... One, I didn't read the book, and two, I did watch the alternate ending. Oh, you cheated. Of course, I did research. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so his, like, basement lab is amazing. Like, a really multi-million dollar renovation to a basement to get that. (laughs) And he's got, like, this glass, like, vault, which is just, it's a little ridiculous, but... Anyways, he like locks the sedated dark seeker female on the stretcher in there overnight. As you would do with your own. You had a sedated dark seeker, right? I'd keep her in the basement, yeah. <laughs> well, you wouldn't have a pre made glass chamber for her? Did, I did you notice the low lights he had? He had like dim <laughs> red lights, like a film room. <laughs> But yeah, so I didn't uh, mention his, um, you know, so his blood test that he's been doing, he's still immune, and he says that the virus was airborne, but there's also another strain that you can get from, like, contact. So the, the dogs are only immune to the airborne one, but they can get the contact strain, and... He kind of, again, in his video diaries, you know, waxes on about how, um, you know, this virus is elegant and it's hard to find the cure for. And then he noticed, you know, makes the note that one of the dark seekers was purposely exposing himself to sunlight, which he thought was too dumb for people that are affected by the virus. Well, they just seem to, like, bash their faces into the ground if they see sunlight. Or if they're caught in it. Yeah, he like shines a UV lamp on one of the ones in his basement and it like roasts her instantly. That's why, you know, you wonder how the collapse really happened in this. Like, did lots of people die? And then there was this like slow trickle of these dark seekers? Or was it like the dark seekers killed everybody? You know, I can't imagine that if they're not immune to sunlight. Because you could get stuck outside where you're not close enough to get inside and you would die just because you're turned into a dark seeker. So, yeah, what do you say? There were like six, there were six billion people on the earth, 5.4 dead, something like that. Yeah, so that's like most of them. They flash back anyway, again. Yeah, this is the part Pat was talking about earlier where. They're trying to get to the checkpoint as, like, the quarantine's closing. So they flash back. Neville and his wife and his daughter are moving towards the extraction by the bridge. They're at the gates with some sort of retina scanners, clearing, not clearing people for passage. We're clear. Next. Let's go. 
good. Robert's wife's denied, and then he demands the guy scan her again. She cleared on the second scan. All these soldiers have paper masks on and thinking they're going to have protection from that. Well, yeah, I think it's like measles virus where that stuff's like super contagious. You know, it stays in the air for like two hours after a person's been there. I thought the whole scan me, scan her again thing was interesting. You know, like they, well, they drew guns the moment he like started resisting them because, like, you know, that yeah. false positive. They were ready to just sort her and go. So, do you think it was actually a false positive, or was it just him being like, "No, I'm, uh, I'm an important person. Let her through." I think. Well, he says he's Lieutenant Colonel. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, he makes a point to mention who he is. What I thought was interesting is they had a woman behind him that was saying how she was not infected, but you could clearly see, like, her eyes were bleeding. (laughs) And she had, like, a baby that she was trying to give to somebody, and it was just like, no, that that whole situation, like, it's so sad. But, yeah, I think it was probably a real false positive. Like, she didn't probably even have it. Robert Neville probably has great home air filtration <laughs> <laughs> to accommodate his multi-million dollar lab in the basement yeah he had his but kids so, sleep so. inside the biosafety cabinet at night <laughs> <laughs> so that's when uh so he gets sam his kid gives him sam to protect him helicopter yeah takes i off. like that scene flashback over and they show the news about uh, 5,000 patients treated with, you know, just after the virus broke out, 5,000 patients treated with her retrofitted virus had become uh, re- resembling rabies-like symptoms early on. He was looking for his, he was looking through a book or something to figure out what day it was. He figured out it was his birthday or the something. The sunrise-sunset table, because he was really, uh, he was always setting his watch for that. But yeah, he tells the dog when they're driving like to their daily errands, like, you know, I don't like surprise parties. Better not be planning a party. He sees the mannequin, you know, as he's driving around. Fred. Yeah, and like Fred's the first time I saw this. You know, I saw I thought I didn't see a mannequin. I thought I saw a dark seeker. And I was like, holy shit, the Dark Seekers are smart enough that they can put clothes on and go out in the sunlight. Like, that was what I thought when I first saw it. But then it's a really good question of why is one of his mannequins not in the right place? Like, is he losing his mind and forgetting that he's doing these things? Or is there other people? Or did the Dark Seekers set a trap and Yeah, move dude, it there? they That's... could hang out at night. The Dark Seekers could just hang out at night and be like, let's move this guy's fucking mannequins. He saw, yeah, he saw him trap his girlfriend. Damn, that's actually that, much. That's kind of what I assumed was the uh, the dark seekers are moving the mannequins around. Like I, I don't know, that's signs of intelligence. But yeah, so he gets caught in a foot trap somehow and, by stepping in a puddle. Well, it's really good suspense. You know, he steps in the puddle, and you got the like car moving over its tipping point and starting to slide. But man, he must have hit his head hard when he got yanked up. Yep, he was hanging upside down. Head over heels. Bleeding from the head, passes out for a little while, and then off goes his wristwatch. Sunset's near. Yeah, and when he wakes up, you know, Sam's still, like, 
standing next to him, but he's like barking, you know, which I thought that I think they should have showed a little bit more of like the dog trying to wake him up after he's hanging, but he's dripping, you know, like blood because he hit his head. Because then I think you would have kind of driven the desperation home a little bit, but shouldn't be sleeping upside down. It's bad for your health. But he's like 10 feet above the ground and then he cuts the wire and falls onto the asphalt with the knife in between him and the asphalt. Oh, yeah, that's right. Leg. The knife. I forgot that part. Crawling towards the vehicle. That's where yeah, he's leaving the blood trail as he's crawling back to his vehicle. And then the, the rabid virus dogs are at the line of the shadows scratching at the pavement. Good use of fading light with like the shadow you know, holding the dogs that are trying to attack them. The Dark Seeker dogs. Dark dogs. The DDs. The DDs. But uh, Sam starts fighting one of the mutant dogs. And Navelle gets out, you know, a shot on one of them. But you can tell, like, pretty early on, like, Sam's going to get bit by one of them. And after they all run off, like, Sam's laying on the ground hurt. And, you know, now it's like back to the lab try to heal the dog but things aren't going so well and as will smith holds the dog like in his hands in the lab you know you can just see like all those signs coming in like the hairs falling out and well i think he he injects him too doesn't he with yeah he's probably using the something? same vaccine that he tried on the rats oh i see i thought he was injecting with like a uh oh, somebody like kill him you know, before the vac- the the virus takes over, but and they also show him like kind of choke him out, so maybe not. Yeah, he's like singing that same Bob Marley song. Bob Marley, yeah. The three little birds, but yeah, after like the dog's work. eyes change and all that, you <laughs> just know like he's gotta do it, and you're like, they just show the camera pan on uh, Will Smith's face, and they don't show him actually like killing the dog, but. It's almost, like, harder to watch Will Smith's face during that scene. Yeah, I mean, they basically show him killing the dog. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, didn't see that coming. I I remember seeing this in the theaters, and I remember this was, like, there's reasons that I like and dislike this movie, but I remember kind of being worried that the dog scene was coming. Like, the first time when Sam got out, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right, maybe he makes it in this movie. And then this time where it's like, nope. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. You know, and Will Smith just has bloodshot eyes. He's burying the dog. You know, all the music and, like, sounds have kind of stopped, and it's just (laughs) silence all the time. Oh, he's eating the pills. Well, he's walking with a limp. He, uh, you know, he's hurting. When he goes to the video store and he... uh, says that he promised his friend that he would say hello to the mannequin. It's like, you know he's talking about Sam. And he says to her, just say hello to me. You know, Sam's or uh, Will Smith is just playing as, like, totally devastated. Like, say hello to me. Please say hello to me. Yeah, I don't know if we're supposed to think he's, like, kind of losing it there or what, right? Because, like, that's obviously like an inside joke between him and the dog. But then he follows through on it, like, talk to me, mannequin. Yeah, the very next scene, he's behaving super irrationally. So I think he's just totally broken at this point. Yeah. Because he's then going out at night on, like, killing spree of dark seekers. Yeah, you can't do that. By the dock, too. <laughs> like, 
the car almost goes into the water a couple times and oh it's he just... was uh he was grand theft autoing that explorer or what he was driving those night seekers are uh or dark <laughs> dark seekers they're pretty uh pretty smart though to climb that light pole to knock it over just so it hits his vehicle yeah and i figured that it was the whole thing was going to end when they pushed his vehicle into the water oh i thought for sure it was going in the water nope but yeah he gets rescued by this pretty woman with bright purple light which was kind of a annoying scene just because right before the alpha zombie gets at him and he's upside down in his rig yeah i thought he was totally gonna get hurt boom yeah the entire will smith running into another real human thing seemed kind of bad I don't know, it just seemed like he... And I get it, he's supposed to be, like, in disbelief or whatever, but it was just kind of forced, it seemed like. Well, it's just that it's getting, like, resolved, you know, they get out of this terrible situation. I wonder if it's in the book that way, or if it's just liberties of the movie. I think it's in the book where they're driving down the road, you hear a Subaru, and she's asking him where, where he lives. Never saw her car, huh? Well, you see the crucifix hanging in the rearview mirror. But now we finally get our flashback to the helicopter carrying the Novell family. And it's a crazy scene because they show the military quarantine being enacted and these military jets fly over and like shoot missiles to disconnect Manhattan from the surrounding area. And somehow a helicopter across the way. Something goes, something, something happens there, tail rotor, spinning out of control like 400 yards away. Well, I, I thought I saw to... a bunch of dark seekers or people jump onto the helicopter, unbalance it, then get like, as the people's weight gets thrown off the helicopter because they let go, the helicopter gets thrown towards the other helicopter and the two helicopters collide. I imagine helicopters colliding is a very deadly accident. Yeah, it seems deadly enough when they try to land, let alone run into each other. So, yeah. Anything about helicopters, kind of dangerous, dangerous, unnatural. <laughs> I wonder if that was uh, <laughs> it's gonna be Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> flying the other helicopter from outbreak. Get the plane, Billy. <laughs> But after he flashes back to reality, he's laying on his couch watching Shrek and, you know, his wound is all stitched up and he sees this woman and a kid in the kitchen. Why the fuck am I not in the bathtub? He notices his legs stitched up, goes to the end table and grabs his pistol. And then he sees a woman cooking bacon in his kitchen. Well, he's pretty crazy. You know, he's acting real strange. You know, even though it's just a kid and a woman who you wouldn't really think would be too threatening, like Will Smith is... Just a kid and a woman. It's the first time he's seen real people in, what, three years? And he smells bacon cooking? He's pissed. He's suspicious of him. You know, he's incredibly (laughs) standoffish. Even though they saved his life. Like, once you look down and see they healed your leg, like... You'd know it's not a dark seeker cooking bacon. But, you know, he tries to go pretty normal quickly where he's, like, 
you know, wills himself to sit down and start eating with them. And we get some backstory that um, this is Anna and Ethan. And uh, they came up from, wasn't it like Brazil or somewhere down south? Maryland. We came from Maryland. Maryland. I don't know why and I thought Brazil. They're from Maryland and they heard less, the message less on the south. radio. Less south. <laughs> yeah, so that was one of the questions that I had. So Maryland isn't terribly far from New York, right? Are you asking about the range of radio? Yeah. He said on... Specifically AM. You know, like, you can get AM for a while. So, like, it's interesting that it took three years for someone to show up. It's a lot of dense... A lot of dense areas to go through. A lot of night seekers. Dark seekers. Zombies. Well, you know, and Roberts, she keeps talking about the survivor's colony up north. And... Um, you know, she says, well, the virus can't survive the cold, but Robert's very doubtful that there's anybody left. You know, he keeps smashing his fists on the table and then he takes the plate of food and throws it and sells to her. Everybody's dead. Like, yeah, he's, he's like super dismissive of the idea that anybody could be alive anywhere. And then he quietly says, I was saving that bacon. What was he saving it for? Like, his wife was dead. For fixing her, right? Or Yeah, that's the creepier them? story that he has her somewhere. Maybe just to not be baconless. <laughs> Maybe there was no more bacon. He has her body. <laughs> but yeah, it is probably baconless. Oof. I liked when they, you know, pan over to Ethan. He's just got, like, a knife in his hand. Like, that kid's ready to fucking tangle. <laughs> Yeah, she even says, Ethan, put your knife down. <laughs> the kid that was just watching Shrek grabbed a shank. Well, they get back to normal. They start, like, you know, Will Smith starts quoting lines from Shrek with the movie. Which, again, like I was saying, I bet he, like, talks out whole scenes and things from movies he watches just to feel normal and, like, talking. Because you're alone for the whole time. How many times could you watch Shrek if you're alone for three years? Mm. And you got Blockbuster down the road. Yeah, we can only go during the day. Hang on, hang on. I bet Wait. there's a special thing because Shrek was out at the same time that his kids were still alive, so I bet he watched Shrek because it reminded him of watching it with his kids. Ooh, probably. This came out in what, 2007? Yeah. And this is supposed to be 09. What was Shrek? Yeah, Shrek was one, so eight years after. So that's kind of a loose assumption. So she said she was in like an evacuation ship? I missed that part. Yeah, Red Cross evacuation ship out of San Paulo or something. Yeah, I thought that city was Brazilian. That was where I got my mix up. Oh, okay. And isn't the actress, like, Brazilian or Portuguese? I don't know. Could, she had an accent. Could be. Thick accent. And then she said, like, when the Navy fell apart, they started docking to take on supplies, and someone picked up the virus on shore. And then the well, you know how fast uh, you know how fast the sickness goes around the cruise ships. And they're talking about she wants to leave, and he says he's not leaving. He's not going to let this happen. He can fix this. 
Well, and she even knows who he is. Like he, she says you're Robert Neville, right? Like he must have been on the news or something. Yeah, he was because they were telling him to, telling people to bring, uh, stockpile some sort of drugs or something and bring them to the somewhere. One of those broadcasts were. Yeah, maybe it's just from his broadcast she knows him. But yeah, after he kind of shoot, shoots down her idea of going to Vermont because it's too too late to do it in the day, they go down into the lab and he kind of starts discussing his work with her. And Anna sees this wall of just photographs of like, you know, a lot of infected people. And he's like, yeah, all of them died. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was interesting that she was like surprised by that. You know, like, she's kind of seen what this thing can do, but yet this wall of Polaroids of... Obviously duplicate Polaroids. <laughs> hey. <laughs> the prop department didn't get enough headshots. <laughs> Dead people are expensive. But yeah, once he tells her that they all died, her reaction... My God. God didn't do this, Anna. We did. Which is... A pretty common, like it's kind of a cliche line, but it's true. And I think a lot of disaster movies um, are about like human created things that cause disaster. After they put uh, the little kid Ethan to bed, they start talking about uh, Bob Marley. And I can't believe that she doesn't know who Bob Marley is. Who doesn't know Bob Marley? Anna doesn't know Bob Marley. Yeah, that's struck me as kind of strange too like 2009 right and this girl's 25 to 35 maybe she's from brazil and they haven't heard of bullshit (laughs) ever heard of bob marley there were six six billion people on earth when the virus hit (laughs) (laughs) every one of them knows who bob marley is every one of them (laughs) <laughs> should have called it the bob marley virus i guess that wouldn't be too fitting only the people that don't know who bob marley is survive you know he talks about bob marley's dad and then he tells her the like story of um the like peace rally and bob marley getting shot which i feel like i should know these things but i didn't know that he had gotten like an assassination attempt and then still went and did his like peace concert yeah, Bob Marley's pretty solid dude. But then Anna goes back to, you know, insisting that they need to go to the survivor's colony and telling Robert that um, she knows because God told her the colony exists. But Yeah, I missed that part. Robert keeps saying, you know, everybody's dead. Every single person that you or I has ever known is dead! It's weird to think what you would do in that situation. Would you go out, keep trying to find other survivors, or would you eventually just hunker down and go crazy? Well, he had the second part pretty well down. Yeah, I feel like I would stay home. Yep. (laughs) How about you, Rob? Would you uh, just keep heading north until you were like, yeah, there is no one left. Now I'm up north. The The best home. Find a bunker. I guess where do you just find a bunker? Big, Go big building, buster. all you got to really do is, you know, build up the, the bottom and all the other floors are good, right? It's dark in those places, though. 
Yeah, but once it's cleared and you got it secured. Cleared and secure. Well, <laughs> now the Dark Seekers are attacking the Washington Square residents of Robert Novell and Anna. Yeah, this is when we get to see uh, his impressive defenses around his home. Layered defense. First, he's got the, the bright uh, spotlights. And then the C4. Yeah, that was a ridiculous amount of C4. <laughs> the zombies weren't even really on the property yet, and he just, oh, the hell with it, blow it all up. Well, Boom. after he blew it up, they definitely found a way in. Like, I don't know, maybe he didn't realize he had that much C4 down. He didn't seem like someone that would miscalculate his amount of C4. He blew his load too early. <laughs> and they start coming in the house. And now he's wrestling with them. And it's, you know, shaky cam, kind of 2000 action movie style. And then the umbrella gun. The umbrella gun. He uh, he grabs an umbrella out of the holder at the bottom of the stairs. It's like a 12 gauge. Just boom. You know, if you were looking at house to house and you found like a nice umbrella gun in somebody's umbrella holder you would be like yep this is a survival item <laughs> and you would take it home <laughs> oh i would keep it <laughs> there's a lot of weird stuff he's taken home that like yeah he knows it but so after he wrestles with him he eventually starts shooting and he kind of gets a little bit of a breathe from the you know dark seekers that just keep coming in at him and somehow him, Anna, and Ethan, I think, all end up downstairs in the lab. And then, what ending did you watch? Yeah, this is where I first sat and just watched it regularly. And then we'll talk about the alternate ending. We'll explain it to Pat. Yeah, you have to. He has, like, this epiphany with the monsters on the other side of that locked glass door. And he's in there with... No, 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 wait. There's, there's like, the epiphany where they realize that... The last, like, dosage he gave this almost cadaver was working, right? Okay. So he, like, collects the vial of blood that's supposed to have the the cure to the shit in it. Okay, so it was the last thing he used on the female that he had. Yes. Why does he draw his own blood? I don't know. Because he says something like the cure's in me or something, but I'm like, yeah. aren't they both immune? I don't know. Yeah, I thought I thought he said the cure was in her, and then he drew blood from himself and gave it to her. And I was like, what? So I guess. Yeah, this part is a little confusing. <laughs> and after that, you know, he climbs out of the secured area and pulls the pin on a grenade and, like, sacrifices himself. To kill all the dark uh, seekers in the basement. Yeah, so like he tells them to climb into this like what cold chute? What what did, what did they hide in? Why why were they safe in there? And... You know, it's just like the, some little sheet metal box thing, but maybe. And they'll keep them all away. I don't. I'd have gone there first. It, it did seem like it was pretty contrived. <laughs> it, it all seemed contrived. Was there enough room for all three of them in there? There's enough room for two, I guess. Sure. So the alternate ending, Pat, is... Oh, yeah, let me know. What is it? So the 
the reason I keep talking about the Dark Seekers is in the alternate ending, they're much more intelligent, and the alpha male is like asking him for his girlfriend back. Yeah, they communicate without talking. Yeah. What? And it Whoa. is it is not Whoa. like there's Whoa. one Will Smith does not kill himself in the alternate ending. Two, like but he's talking to dead people? Yeah, he's talking to the Dark Seekers. Kind of. Like <laughs> But not. But they're peaceful. <laughs> they leave without killing everyone. They have an understanding. In the books, like the I do think there is a sacrifice or eventually Robert Novell is killed in the books or dies. And like he's legend because he somehow managed to like save the Dark Seekers. Hmm. So people are not really happy with how the movie and the theatrical release ending is compared to the source material. That's like normal though, right? No, no, there's never a book that's made into a movie where people are like totally happy about it. Yeah. I remember the first time seeing this being like, I think, okay with the ending. But now that I know like the other things, like I kind of wish they would have done more with the intelligent Dark Seekers. Because then, you know, like you could kind of keep bringing that up and have him maybe like struggle with killing them because they're in smart. You just drag it out know. and make it into a TV series. <laughs> oh, wait. Don't do that. I I like how this ends in 101 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, the length was acceptable. Right. <laughs> yep. Because <laughs> they finish up with Anna going to the survivors' colony with the cure, and she does her like voiceover. Oh yeah, they wrap it up real quick, real neat. Light up the darkness. No questions. No. Yeah, and like I said, the wrap-up in the alternate ending is almost the same. It's just you're like, hey, is Will Smith driving in that one? He is. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> He's alive. Interesting. It was okay. <laughs> uh, if we're getting our numbers, I'd say like six to six and a half. Not awful. Not great. Um, I kind of like the beginning. the The part with Will Smith and the dog was good, and that was about it. That's a, I guess, okay too. Pretty good, I guess. You know, keeps your attention for having mainly one character, two characters, and uh, but yeah, I don't know. Not anywhere near the top ten. I'd have to give it uh yeah, I'd give it a six. Interesting. Yeah, I um. Initially, when I first like sat down and watched the beginning, I really liked it, and I forgot like how good of an actor Will Smith is, you know. And it's like I always remember it as a comedy. Can kinda. be how good of an actor Will Smith can be, not always. I haven't seen him this serious since those episodes of The Fresh Prince of Bel Air where he like was doing Ooh. drugs and stuff, or like the yep. gun episode. <laughs> Uncle Phil hugging him. Yeah, Tell so him. like, yeah. I <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I really liked that part of it. Um, it's really hard to have a movie with one character and have conflict, and he does it, and he does it well. Like, you're happy when he's happy. You're sad and like, uh, confused when he like starts losing it. And as the movie goes on, it kind of gets weaker, and I'm okay with that. Like you guys said, you know, 
it's not great it's not terrible but knowing that the ending was different like i was willing to give it like maybe an eight or a nine if it had a different ending but the ending falls flat so i'd give it a six too so we all agree yeah Hmm. i had i had it written up as like it was gonna be a higher rating and then as like i got to that ending i was just like oh Okay, so favorite characters. All right, favorite characters. Dog. It was played by two different dogs. Don't care. Dog. Three-year-old German Shepherd. (laughs) Are you going to get one? (laughs) No. A German Shepherd? Are you mad? You only get that in the uh, apocalypse. (laughs) Who's your favorite character, Rob? Well, there wasn't too many, you know. I would have to say someone in that, in the inside of those walls. At the end in the colony? The that's end. your guys? Just well, living you know, with heavy hearts? Can't pick the dog. What, Pat, you picked the dog two two weeks in a row? Or no, dog, monkey. Close. But Animal. yeah. Yeah, I guess besides the dog, Will Smith. You know, like, Anna and Ethan are characters, but they're not as developed Hell, the alpha male dark seeker is more developed, like, you know, willing to hurt himself to look at Will Smith and, like, you know, mean mug him. I don't know. I mean, Ethan's, like, this 10-year-old sort of stab dude with a butt knife, right? Like, Yeah, that kid is feisty. It's not like it's her (laughs) son, either. Is it? I I think they just found each other. They didn't really tell you. But I thought it was. Her son was too weak. Ethan was the badass on that Red Cross ship. <laughs> Do you think something like this could ever happen in real life? And I guess this is kind of all zombie movies in real life fall into this category of, you know, a virus or something breaks out that's infectious and causes, you know, people to either die or become like monsters. The die part's real, but monsters. I like that. Yeah, so I I struggle here, right? I think the the concept of like trying to cordon off, you know, New York is a plausible thing if there's a crazy outbreak of some disease. But some disease that is unbeknownst to us right now that kills you and then turns you into the walking dead, probably not. Well, and I always think that the biology always is like if you get sick you are less strong you're weaker your body bleeds and breaks down more you're not going to get stronger and be a threat like sick people are almost always like very easy to kill because they're dying and zombies in general have never really rubbed me the right way as like a genre because they always seem like something that would just die out fairly quickly and it wouldn't be the main issue the main issue is like disease killing so many people that society falls apart and there's not enough people to do, you know, the food and the energy and the healthcare and all the services people expect. You know, that's what's going to cause the collapse. It isn't zombies. Do you like zombie movies? In general, no. You know, I'd like to say yes, but they're just, they're too many and gone too far out there i think my favorite zombie movies are when they don't take themselves too seriously and yeah like i am uh, legend takes itself very seriously 
so I'm conflicted. <laughs> Zombieland. Zombieland does not take itself too seriously. Well, let's see if our next movie is a zombie movie. Or a TV miniseries? Oh, please, no more TV miniseries. <laughs> it was a mistake. <laughs> I'm hoping for the 90s. I I will tell you this. I told Rob that I had already generated a number, and I guarantee you this is a new number. So, And you took the list down. I've got the list up. So the next disaster movie on our list is going to be from number 33, which is Knowing, a 2009 science fiction mystery thriller film uh, directed by Alex Prius, MIT professor. Uh-oh, Nicolas Cage. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. uh, is playing an MIT professor, and he links a mysterious oh, list of numbers. Yep, I'm, I'm reading it too. <laughs> from a time <laughs> capsule to the past and the future. Okay, so this sounds like a movie about somebody that learns about disaster coming from somewhere, and Nicolas Cage is in it. I don't know about this movie, and the movie's called Knowing, so I'm gonna just I'm a little worried. This is gonna be not bad. Knowing about it. <laughs> anything i'm uh i'm gonna hold my judgment until seeing it yeah i i've got open eyes it can't be as crazy of nicholas cage's like face off for wicker man or any of those i don't know rotten tomatoes doesn't paint a very good picture (laughs) (laughs) well it's on the list so somebody somewhere likes it yep yeah roughly 33 percent those are good ones those are they're great to talk about. But hey, it's not another virus movie, so we got out of that. And we've reached another dead end. Well, until next time, I'm Matt Bluma. I'm Rob Fauché. And this is Pat McCaffrey. Our theme music is Dead End by Brainstory. 